Welcome to the Freedom from Empty podcast, episode three. My name is Booth Andrews, and I am your host. Doing another morning recording this morning uh, seems to be the best time to get everything on the calendar. So I've been drinking coffee for about an hour. We'll see if that serves me well or not. You can learn more about the support that I offer for clients at boothandrews.com forward slash programs. And welcome to episode number three. So when we're out and about in our daily lives, we run into people and the natural thing is, how are you? And of course, we all know what the answer to that question is supposed to be. The answer to the question is supposed to be fine. Recently, I have found myself um, with just a touch of uh, sarcasm saying, living the dream. And the reason I say it with a touch of sarcasm is I think as I've begun to prepare this work, I've thought a lot about what it means to quote unquote, live the dream. And I think there's a perception uh, in our society that, you know, there are those certain things that quantify or qualify our lives. You know, do we have, do we have the big job? Do we have the income, do we have the cars, do we have the house, do we have the clothes, and so on and so forth. And all of those measures, as we know, or some of us you, some of us may not know, but, but I have definitely learned, those measures don't really speak at all to the well-being of our hearts and our minds, to the well-being of our relationships, and the well-being of our soul's presence on this earth. And so I wanted to talk a little bit today about what happens when we are quote, living the dream, and the dream isn't all it was cracked up to be. Or maybe we're not living the dream yet. Maybe we are still pushing and striving, but we feel like we're not making progress or we feel like we've reached our limits and we are not where we want to be yet. And yet we're running out of capacity to continue to push ourselves. And maybe we're somewhere on that spectrum in between, you know, on on the spectrum of just trying to get started, lots of energy, lots of passion, lots of time and resources maybe to apply to the things that we're wanting to accomplish, or you know, on the far, far end of the spectrum, the running on empty spectrum. So we're somewhere on that, on that path in our lives, and, and we can be in different places on that path many, many times in our lives. It is not a linear trajectory, unfortunately. We, we want to think that it is, but it truly, truly isn't. So we're living the dream or we're chasing our dreams and we find out we have the sneaking suspicion that it really isn't all it's cracked up to be, that something in our lives just isn't quite right. What do we do? Well, the first thing we do if we recognize that the way we've been living our lives does not really support our heart and soul's well-being or the well-being of our relationships and our family, and our community, we have to change something. Maybe we have to change lots of things. And if you've read my story on my website, um, you can read more about that story. I recognize that for some of you, my story may not sound inspiring. It may actually sound downright terrifying. You may ask yourself, why would I acknowledge Something in my life isn't right. If that means my life has to blow up, what if I'm going to lose everything like she did? Why would I want to entertain the option that something needs to change in my life if I can't make that change 
without experiencing a lot of really hard things. I can't really know whether running full throttle into the wall is part of your path. I can't really know how much, how many challenges you may face as you take the steps to realign your life and the way you're living and working with your true well-being. But I am going to suggest that there are many, many options for you between running on empty or being on that path to empty and actually hitting the wall. I believe I didn't that I ran into the wall because I didn't stop sooner. I definitely tried to address the symptoms in my life, but there were core issues, core considerations and places that I was not willing to go. Now, of course, I see this in hindsight. I didn't see it at the time. At the time, it was in many ways very subconscious for me. But there was that part of me that was afraid that if I actually addressed the things in my life that weren't working, that that meant losing everything. There was part of me that had that level of fear, even without being able to express it at the time. I also believed that I could not afford whatever interventions I really, really needed, whether those interventions be just more help at home or whether those interventions actually meant maybe intensive treatments for trauma. I thought I couldn't afford those things. I thought I couldn't afford to take a break from my job or to leave my job. I will tell you again, in hindsight, that those interventions would have been much, much cheaper than the amount of money that I have either spent or lost, quote unquote, lost in terms of lost income, lost opportunity, because I continued to press forward until I hit the wall. And I think there The third piece, that third piece of fear, for me at least, and probably for many of you, is that we're not worthy. So in the last episode, I talked about those voices in our head that tell us or those voices that are embedded in in the fiber of our being that tell us that we're not enough, that we don't deserve more, that we don't deserve to be well, that we don't deserve to be cared for and loved unconditionally. And I believe that that fear of being afraid that even if I addressed the question that I wasn't worthy of anything better or different kept me from really diving hard into the core issues that were holding me back as opposed to in the core issues that were making me sick as opposed to addressing the symptoms. If we are going to make change in our lives, we have to consider the possibility that things don't have to be as they are. And I think many of us are actually afraid to consider that possibility because our society doesn't give us permission to not be okay, particularly if we look like we have everything from the outside. We don't want to consider that possibility because if we consider it, if we realize that something isn't okay, if we give ourselves the space to consider it, and then the answer turns out to be, you are correct. There are things that are not okay. Is it incum- Does it then become incumbent upon us to actually do something differently? And maybe we're not ready to do something differently. Maybe we don't really want to know. I think we also are afraid to consider the possibility that things could be different because we think we don't deserve better or more or different. And perhaps we believe, as I did, that our job is to soldier on and persist, to just keep going, regardless of the challenges, regardless of the things that aren't working, to just put our head down and put one foot in front of the other. And I will acknowledge that there are definitely times in our lives where that is what we are called to do. 
the problem is when we continue to persist through a system of living that truly is making us sick or or is well on its way to making us sick and we don't stop to reevaluate and reassess how we are continuing to move forward. All of those are reasons why we don't open ourselves up to consider the possibility that something can or should be different, but I think there's a bigger reason. And I think the bigger reason, at least for many of us, is that we don't give the possibility or space to breathe those questions into our minds and our hearts. We won't even consider it. We won't give it the bandwidth because we are afraid the answer is no. We are afraid that the answer is no. For much of my life, it's been very much easier for me to not want anything or ask for anything than to face the prospect of wanting or asking or acknowledging a need or a desire and not having it met. So much easier in many ways to just not acknowledge it, to act like I don't have any needs, I don't have any desires, and that way I don't have to be disappointed, I don't have to be let down, I don't have to face the fact that maybe I really am not worthy of those things that I desire the very, very most. So we're afraid to ask the question because we are afraid the answer is no. And one of the things that I have learned over the years in both my professional life and the personal work that I've done to get healthy again is that we have to ask ourselves the questions. The reality is that the fear of the answer is so much greater and so much more powerful than the actual answer to the question. The story we spin in our minds about what is true or what might be true and what's going to happen, that fear of the answer is much, much more powerful than the actual answer itself. And I've experienced that over and over and over in my life, where I've spent maybe a week or a month or a, you know more months, more, more than one month, or even a year perhaps, afraid of the answer to the question. And being afraid of the answer to the question also fuels that running that, okay, well, I'm just going to leave that here and I'm just going to go move as hard and fast as I can and maybe when I turn around, it won't be there. I think we one of the easiest ways to kind of understand that um, process is when we think about dealing with conflict in our lives. You know, We're having conflict with another person or another group of people and we think, well, maybe if we ignore it, it'll go away. And often the most powerful Um, less time-intensive, less energy-intensive answer is to turn around and talk to that person or talk to that group and say, okay, so we're having a conflict. Let's talk about it. Let's find out why we're having a conflict. Let's find out what's driving this. Let's find out what we have in common, where we agree, and then can we go from where we agree to maybe work through those other things where we don't agree, that takes so much less time than it does to deal with the emotional drama and trauma around conflict that is swirling around us or behind us uh, or in front of us and to try to look the other way and act like it's just going to get better. Because it doesn't. Our fears grow bigger. Our perceptions about those other people continue to be fueled by the fact that we're in conflict. And so they're, they are bigger in our heads. Our fear is bigger in our heads. Our disconnects are bigger in our heads than they actually are in reality. And when we turn around and we sit down with that person, and I'm, and, and I'm not suggesting for a second 
actually, I will say that addressing conflict via social media, text, and email are not effective ways to address conflict. But when we turn around and sit down with that other human being and look at them across the table and have real conversations, we often find that that conflict, that disconnect, whatever emotions we were afraid of or whatever things we were afraid of aren't really that hard. We're all human beings and we're able to resolve things. And so I use that again for an analogy of you know the difference between when we keep running from our fears or we run from conflict We run from those things that we're afraid of as opposed to when we turn and face them. And we find out when we face them that they really were not nearly as scary as we thought they would be. So we have to open ourselves up to even begin to consider the possibility that things can or should be different in our lives. And we have to be willing to ask ourselves the question, what? What things could or should be different? In what areas of my life am I not supporting my own well-being? In what areas of my life is there a disconnect between where all the things that I've done or accomplished or all the things I hope to do and the stories that I'm telling myself or the stories that society is telling me about what effort I need to put in to get to deserve those things or what I have to do to achieve my goals and what sacrifices I have to make to achieve those goals. We have to open ourselves up to the possibility that things can be different. And then we have to ask ourselves the question. And we actually have to sit and give ourselves space to breathe with that question. If we really don't know the answer, some of you may ask that question and you will get the answer quickly. Some of you who have maybe spent more time shutting down those types of questions in your life will find it harder to access. But if you sit with those questions in a quiet moment with a little bit of space to breathe, it might be daily, it might be weekly, it might be monthly. If you give yourself the space to consider the question, you will get the answer. And I'm going to suggest that the answer doesn't reside in your head. That's the first place we go, but that's not where the real answer is. The answer to the question is going to live more deeply planted than your head. It's going to come from a place deeper down inside you, whether you want to call it your soul, your gut, your intuition, however you identify that part of you that knows. And you have to give that part of you space to have a voice. So ask yourself the question and ask yourself every day or every week or every month until you find the answer, until the answer actually rises up within you. And then when we get the answer, because we will, if we give it space to come, we will get the answer. When we know the questions and the answers that we have been afraid to ask, that is where the work actually begins. It's not actually asking the question, although that is often the barrier, the place that we don't go. It's the fear that holds us back because we just don't want to know the answer. But I can tell you that those questions that are hiding somewhere deep down in your in your soul, deep down in your spirit, they are affecting your everyday life, whether you have given them space to breathe or not. So you may not know the answers because you haven't given them space to breathe, but I can tell you, I can assure you that they are in many ways owning the way that you are living your life more than you are owning it. So we have to give ourselves the permission and the space to ask and to hear the answer. And one of the most powerful things my mom did for me was to hold space and for me to give myself permission. You know, it might be permission to rest, 
permission to go to the doctor, permission to not work that particular weekend or holiday. Now, there were certain places I couldn't go with my mom either, um, but I knew where the safe ones were. And she did hold space for me to give myself permission to listen to that deeper part of me or to listen to that need and to respond in a self-caring, self-supporting, well-being sort of way. And I find that many of us struggle to give ourselves permission. We struggle to give ourselves permission to listen to our own, to that voice, again, that voice of knowing or that voice of recognition that we have needs or desires or values um, or a vision for our lives that that isn't in alignment. And we also, not only do we struggle to give ourselves permission, but we also believe that the people around us can't afford, frankly, for us to ask those questions of ourselves because they're counting on us, right? And we feel like we need to show up for them every single day in a certain way. And so if it's not our own fear holding us back, it's our fear of what will other people think or what will other people say or how will they respond if you can't continue to, um, or if you choose not to continue to show up in the same way. And we know that that people often don't react well to change that they think is happening to them. And we have a lot of fear in our hearts and our heads about what people think about us. And there's, you know, there's someone and I, I don't know who it is who said, you know, what other people think of you is none of your business. Um, that taking that approach in your own mind, um, when you start to give yourself permission to ask about what may be in your life, needs to shift or change. Um, You know, it really isn't anybody else's business. So I've talked a lot about the things that hold us back in our own mind, our own fears and our own perceptions about what we might find out if we actually give ourselves space to ask whether we are living our lives in a way that is consistent with our needs and desires and values or whether we're not and whether things need to change. And there are a lot of things that hold us back internally And then there are the things that hold us back externally. We have a fear of, you know, what happens if we decide to make changes in our life? What are other people going to think? What are other people going to say? How are people going to react? Um, And we know that it is often hard for the people closest to us to support change in our lives because you know their concern honestly their concern is what what's going to happen to them how are your changes or your choices to live your life differently going to affect them and so there is a lot of fear or there can be a lot of fear around you know what society is going to think what your town is going to think what your uh, circle of influence is going to think if you make these changes in your life And beyond the fact that you can't live your life based on what other people think to the extent that other people are not responsible for your well-being, the other thing that I want to remind you of is that it is in the best interest of the people who are counting on us that we actually learn to live our lives in light and well-being. Because if we are not whole, if we are not full, if we are not healthy. We are not able to care for them, to love them, to support them, to lead them in the best, in the healthiest, most whole, most giving, most positively impactful 
ways. If we are not healthy and whole, then we cannot bring our best to the people that we love. We cannot bring our best to the people, to our community, to our organization, or to the world. And so I recognize that there is a lot of tension there um, because in the short term, we are afraid to change. We are afraid of the answer to the questions. We are afraid that we, again, don't deserve to have our core needs, our core values, our deepest desires met. And then there's the tension about what happens if I kind of move the chess pieces or, I, you know, um, I think there's a book called Moving My Cheese. What happens if I move the cheese on the people around me? And yes, that will be challenging but it is not insurmountable. And if we don't move the cheese before we get really, really sick or before we run into the wall or before we fall off the cliff, guess what? When we do all of those things, when we actually collapse or crack or get really, really sick because we refused or didn't see clear to step off of the path we were on, all of the people around us are going to be affected by that as well. So to bring this back to kind of the beginning of this episode, before we can make the changes that we may need to make or that we do need to make in our lives to support our well-being for the long term, not, not always just for the short term, but for the long term, to have the greatest positive impact on the people that we care about and on the people that we lead and on the people um, in our community and beyond. We cannot make that impact if we are not continually asking ourselves where we are in alignment and where we are not, where the way that we are living our lives and the messages in our head and the things that are driving us forward are aligned with our deepest needs and desires and our own health and well-being and where those things may not be in alignment and where we need to make changes. And I recognize that it can be scary to ask ourselves those questions, to give ourselves the space and permission to ask those questions because we are afraid of the answers for many, many reasons. And I want to encourage you and give you permission if you need it to ask the questions anyway, to give yourself the space to ask those questions. And while I recognize that the answer to those questions may feel really, really scary, I can assure you that this is work that you don't have to do alone, that this is work that is integral to your ability to realize your greatest potential on this earth. And that in turning and asking those questions and giving your the space to consider what might need to be different for you to be well. You are giving yourself an incredible, incredible gift, and you are also ultimately giving an incredible gift to the people around you. If you want to learn more about my the support that I can offer for people going through this process, seeking greater alignment in their lives and their work, then you can find more information on my website at boothandrews.com slash programs. You can also find my blog there. You can take the running on empty quiz to, again, as a possible way of starting to explore what symptoms maybe are showing up in your life that may need to be addressed at deeper core level. And you can also subscribe to my newsletter or just reach out to me. And I would love to hear from you. I would love to hear your story. Thanks for listening, and this has been the Freedom From Empty Podcast, Episode 3. 
This has been a Humble Pod production. Stay humble.